What is up, everybody? I'm Dylan Patemri, and welcome back to yet another episode of Top Shelf. We have just completed week seven of the NHL season. More news circling around as we get closer to almost halfway done with the regular season. Is John Tortorella's job up in the air? Kane scored his 400th goal this past week in a stellar season so far. We begin to look at some of the prospects for the 2021 NHL draft. All this and more as we hop into another episode of Top Shelf. All right, so John Tortorella has been on the hot seat so far this season. The Columbus Blue Jackets have tremendously underperformed to start this season. They are currently 9-10-5 and five, and placed fifth in the Central, but with Dallas playing seven less games than them, could very well be behind them and in sixth place. The Blue Jackets are 2-5-2 two, and two in their last nine games. Tortorella sits in his sixth season with the franchise with a record of 2-17-149-47. Tortorella also helped lead the Columbus Blue Jackets to their first ever playoff round victory up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, where they upset them and sweep them in a seven-game series, winning all of the first four. Tortorella, who has an intense, in, excuse me, intense coaching style where you either do what he asks or you don't play. This happened this year when on January 21st, we saw him bench Pierre-Luc Dubois after the first period. And just recently, Patrick Laine, who was traded in for Dubois, was in only his fourth game and got benched midway through the second. Despite speculation, Tortorella did get backing from general manager Jarmo Kekalainen. He said that he has confidence in the guys in Tortorella. He also said that, quote, I don't believe in quick fixes, that you all of a sudden blow up something that you've been building for a while, end quote. Uh, so I would agree with what Kekalainen saying here that, um, there are some situations where you can slot in a different player or something like that, but the Blue Jackets have been somewhat building up, and I agree you can't just blow up the whole operation and what they did considering the huge move they just made for Patrick Line. However, at some point, you do have to start making adjustments. At the end of the season, I think you reassess where the Blue Jackets are at, and what Tortorella has done. So plenty of time for them to come back, but if he does continue up with this and they do not make the playoffs, I would see that as an unsuccessful season for Columbus. I think they should be in the playoffs. I was expecting them to be in the playoffs. They've been quite disappointing to me so far. Uh, And I think, especially in a division that they are in right now, in that central division where I understand the Lightning and the Stars are both won the Stanley Cup, but Carolina Hurricanes, you should be somewhere around them, under them. But the Panthers are outperforming you. The Chicago Blackhawks are outperforming you. And there has to be questions asked about, is Tortorella the right guy? Now, Columbus is also a tough situation because it is not one of the biggest markets. Uh, They've shown that they can't really hold on to those star players, losing Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky, Josh Anderson, Matt Duchesne, Gustav Nyquist. 
Now, Nyquist and Anderson, not sure you can really fit into that star category, but Panarin, Bobrovsky, and Duchesne are definitely in that category of being star-studded players. And I'm not so sure, is it more of that Tortorella and his coaching style is why those people left, or is it that Columbus Blue Jack wasn't, or the Columbus Blue Jackets weren't a big enough market and that not really an ideal living spot for them? Was it the team and the direction of where they were going that they didn't believe in them? Uh, you also have Pierre-Luc Dubois who wanted out of there. I think he didn't, he said that it was kind of his living situation. That is, he wanted to be closer to Canada and Montreal specifically where uh, his hometown is. But th- did part of it have to do with Tortorella? I think so. And how Tortorella works is he's a kind of a hard-nosed guy and star players don't get any special treatment from him so if you're gonna have you're gonna have to have those like hard nose working players that are just gonna want to compete and work for that guy so you really have to find the right players but it, you have to come to a situation I don't think Patrick Line is that type of player if Tortorella treats Line a with tough love I don't think he's gonna respond well to that because then you're gonna have to try and keep Line a next season and I know he's an RFA at the end of his contract. So regardless of what contract gets, they can match it. However, you you don't want to just have the guy signed. You want him to be bought into the system and want to be staying there. And I'm not so sure if Patrick Line is going to want to be under Tortorella. And if he's your future, I don't know if Tortorella can stay in Columbus for too much longer. But I guess we'll we'll see how their season goes and how they assess uh, their current state and maybe they can turn stuff around and everything will be okay and they'll make the playoffs and then we'll completely forget this ever happened. But I guess we'll just have to see. Time will tell. But I think if they don't make the playoffs, I think Tortorella is out of there. In other news, Alex Stalock was put onto waivers and claimed by the Edmonton Oilers. Stalock, who was a member of the Sharks, hadn't played all season because he was diagnosed with myocarditis, carditis, and inflammation of the heart muscle. Stalock, who is just happy the problem has gone away and he's now healthy and excited for an opportunity to play in Edmonton. Stalock coming off one of his best years so far with the Sharks, had 20 wins and 36 starts and four shutouts, looks to possibly make a difference for this Edmonton team that needs a goaltender a team which I had mentioned before about having their struggles in that their tandem of Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith have combined put up a record of 13 and 10 for the Oilers and a combined 0.912 save percentage. Goaltending is probably one of the biggest factors why Edmonton doesn't sit on top of that North division. They have the forward one-two punch of McDavid and Dreisaitl. They have a decent defense with Tyson Berry, Darnell Nurse. Uh, and I don't think that they have that top D-man either. I think Darnell Nurse could become a top D-man for them, but they don't have that right now. They've got the helping alongside them and veteranship, James Neal. They got Kyra Yamamoto, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Their offense is solid. Their defense is solid. Their goaltending is where they lack. And that's where Alex, Alex Stalock could look to make a difference for them. Um, with them now going to have four goalies that look to play in the NHL, Stuart Skinner, who made his debut and got a win. 
I don't see them now moving or making a move for a goaltender unless they package two of them or something like that. I think it's unlikely that they make a trade this season for a goaltender. However, I do think it's something that could be addressed in this offseason because while they rank sixth in goals for, they rank 20th in goals against, which isn't awful. But if you want to be a Stanley Cup contender, you got to kind of be top 10 for both of those. I think the Edmonton Oilers are missing a goalie and a top D man. And I think if they could, if ideally, if they get an elite goalie, and an elite top two defenseman. The Oilers are a very scary team. Now cap um, cap room is obviously a big um, factor into that, but if they can figure it out, I think it would be great for them. In other news, continuing on with NHL's hockey is for everyone. NHL will now celebrate International Women's Day with an all-woman panel on March 8th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This will be on NHL Now Network. This is a joint NHL and NHLPA initiative celebrating diversity and inclusion in hockey. The show will feature women across the sport of hockey providing analysis on the top NHL storylines, in-depth previews of the six games that night, and interaction with viewers through the NHL network social medias. They will also have 2018 Olympic gold medalist Alex Cavallini, who is scheduled to join the program to discuss the Professional Women's Hockey Player Association and her participation in the 2021 Secret Dream Gap Tour games at the United Center on Saturday, March 6th and Sunday, March 7th in Chicago. Jamie Hirsch made some great points in speaking upon the importance in doing such things such as as this initiative. She understands how important representation is. A big goal of having this all-woman cast is so younger women see these other people talking about hockey and think and can believe that one day that they can do that too and that that is a realistic goal for them to have. Another big thing that Hirsch brings up is her hope is that this will address all the youth and expand their image of what a broadcaster can look like, that it's not just a male that has to be a broadcaster, that there can be a female as a broadcaster as well. This is something that I think is very well done by the NHL and NHLPA. I hope someday that this won't even have to be an initiative or anything done, that we can just naturally have the women in the workplace of sports without it being like unusual Although right now I feel it is important to address this because it is currently an issue and some people still don't see it as quote right to have a woman there. I say who cares who they are or what they are. It doesn't matter if you can talk hockey and know what you're talking about. That's really all I care about. I just want to know about and hear about other people's opinions on the sport. Hopefully with having this celebration the youth will grow and it can become normalized in the following years to come celebrations all through chicago as patrick kane scored his 400th career goal on sunday up against the detroit red wings he became the 100th player in the nhl ever to accomplish this milestone he is one of eight active players to have this milestone to their name kane who has netted 11 goals this season so far in 23 games, alongside having 23 helpers. Kane, who is the 2007 first overall pick, has proven to have a 
quite a good selection by the Blackhawks. He's played 996 games all with the Blackhawks and ranks fourth in goals with 403rd in assists with 656 and fourth in points with 1,056 in the Chicago Blackhawks' franchise history. Kane has been nothing short of phenomenal in his career so far, being a part of the Blackhawks dynasty that won three cups in six years, including a Conn Smythe in their 2013 Sammy Cup win. Kane has been alongside of teammate captain Jonathan Thames pretty much every season but this year. Thames, who had to take a step back this season due to an unnamed illness. At the beginning of the season, Thames announced that he had been feeling lethargic and not up to playing hockey and not at his best. There's no update on his current status, but right now it doesn't seem to matter because the Blackhawks came out and announced and the Blackhawks came out and announced to their fans that this would be a rebuilding year, which seemed reasonable with no captain of Jonathan Thames or Kirby Doc due to injury. But Kane has had different thoughts on this and has been having an MVP caliber season, and he's the main reason why they sit in fourth place in the central right now. So the Blackhawks have definitely thrown rebuilding out the window and are looking to contend with Kane having a phenomenal season a team that I counted out as not a chance to make the playoffs I threw them down I think I threw them in sixth place in that division just ahead of um just ahead of the Red Wings excuse me probably seventh Red Wings in eighth them in seventh Uh, I didn't think they had a chance Uh, but Kane has elevated the performance of other teammates, including young player and new centerline mate to him, Pius Suter. He has seven goals and five assists, meaning his 12 points rank fourth among rookies this season. Kane has shown no signs of slowing down and is close to another milestone in a thousand games, which can be expected to hit on Tuesday, March 9th, when they line up against the Dallas Stars. Kane, who's 32, is on the older side, but I mean, he could, the way he's playing, maybe he'll keep playing until 40 or older. He's still got the hands of Shaw and he's still got the speed. He's a top player in the NHL right now, tied second for points. Um, and in that race to possibly win the heart, obviously Connor McDavid is leading that race right now for me, but Kane is close in behind there alongside of Austin Matthews. <laughs> now, as the season is reaching nearer to the midway point, and trade trade deadline, I think it is time to start looking at the 2021 top prospects. If I'm being honest with these rankings, they could shift a whole lot from now to the end of the season. With COVID, some of these players have had canceled seasons. And while scouts can't really travel around and be at all the games like previous years, the NHL is still trying to work out how they're going to do this draft. There's been some speculation that this draft and next year's draft could be combined, which would make for an insanely stacked draft. However, I'm not sure how this would work or if the NHL would even do this, because if you do this, then you're, first of all, taking away all the draft picks from this year. I don't know how they would do a combination because then it's unfair to teams that did worse this year. It's unfair to teams who traded this year's draft picks away or teams who received this year's draft picks. Um, they would have to figure out some sort of compensation. And I feel like it would just get really, really messy if that was how they were going to do it. 
Um, another option that I think I heard was that midway through next year, they would just hold the draft and then hold another draft at the end of the season, which could be a reasonable way, but uh, they, they also could just end up doing it like last season where it's like the online draft and not in person, but they still get the draft done. Uh, I do think it would be important to have a drop draft in this off season, considering we're going to be adding, adding the Seattle Kraken to the league. And normally see uh, the, if an expansion team is joining into the draft, they get slotted in with the, in the fourth place with the fourth best odds to uh, win the NHL draft lottery and getting a top four player is always important, especially if you're looking to have that star for the future of your franchise. Um, but anyways, we're going to treat this just as if it's um, a regular normal entry draft in this year's top prospects. I'm only going to run through the top five picks in my opinion so far. I looked a little bit through some power rankings and some mock drafts and stuff like that in if I'm going to be honest, everyone has their mock drafts all over the place. It's really uncertain this year. There's no definitive first overall pick. There's no definitive second overall pick. Like there's a number of people, but this is just going to be my rankings. It's also only midway through the season and rankings can change a whole lot. So let's just get right into this. At number one, overall pick is going to be Matthew Beniers. Beniers, who is a left wing slash center, six foot one, one seven. 174 pounds out of the University of Michigan. He so far has 19 points in 20 games so far this season. From what I've heard and seen about him, he's a 200-foot player who won't wow you with skills or isn't flashy at all, but doesn't have many flaws in his game either. To me, he's looking somewhat of similar of a Patrice Bergeron type of player with his great intensity and competitiveness. He does have great acceleration, and speed, which would kind of separate him from that of a Bergeron and maybe closer to the two-way style of a Claude Giroux. And number two is Luke Hughes, the six foot two, 176 pound left-handed defenseman currently plays in the U.S. Juniors. He's expected and has committed to play to the University of Michigan next season. You may know his older brothers, Jack and Quinn, who are both in the league right now. Jack Hughes, who was the first overall pick of the 2019 year, and Quinn Hughes, who was in the Calder race last season and leads the league right now for defensemen in points. While Luke doesn't have the same offensive firepower as his brother Quinn, he's more set as a two-way with more size, but he can still produce and make people miss in all three zones. Um, his player comparison is he's still pretty close to his brother Quinn Hughes because even though their difference, they play fairly similar. And it's just kind of like Luke's got a little bit of height on him and a little less offensive firepower and a little more defensive skills. And number three is William Eklund. He's five foot 10, 174 pounds. The left winger slash center plays in the SHL where he has 19 points in 35 games. He got up to a great start scoring 10 points in 15 games and has kind of fallen off a bit since. A player with tremendous skills, including amazing passes and a high-end motor, in addition, has shown to be a great four-checker. He has drawn comparisons to former Red Winger Henrik Zetterberg. 
Both of them are Swiss. Eklund reads the game at a high-end level, loves to get into the danger area to deflect pucks in front of the net. He is strong on the puck and very agile, hence why he is compared to Henrik Zetterberg. And number four is Owen Power, the monstrous six foot five, 215-pound left-handed defenseman, also from Gusset, the University of Michigan, has 15 points in 22 games. And despite his size, he's a great puck-moving defenseman and amazing on the power play. His skating is unmatched for his size. Uh, defensively, he, he could use some work. He isn't as physical as you would like for a frame of 6'5 as him, but he has got that size and you can't teach size. So I'm sure whatever team drafts him will help and put him, help him put on some muscle and he could become a very scary defenseman of the future. Draws comparisons to that of Dustin Bufflin because of his size and offensive skill set. Uh, he has the ability to pinch and keep the cycle alive. And I believe eventually, if you're six foot five, physicality is going to come to you, put on that muscle, couple couple seasons into the league. I think he'll be a great defenseman and could be a top two player for any team of the future. Any team's going to love to have a big man like him, especially one who can also play offensively. And finally, closing out my top five is Brant Clark. Brant Clark, who is six foot one, 181, right-handed defenseman, played in the OHL last season and has now moved into Slovakia, where he has seven points in 21 games. Uh, he is an offensive defenseman with tremendous IQ of when to join the rush, amazing puck skills, and good skating on the ice. He has proven since shifting to Slovakia, he can do it with the grown men too, meaning he might have a good transition into the NHL easier than others. Clark initially was going to play in the OHL, however, because of its cancellation, moved to Slovakia, which I think is only good for him playing with more physicality. Normally, those leagues in Europe are more physical than the prospect leagues in Canada. You play with older guys. It's going to be more similar to the NHL, and it's a good way to adjust. Um, because of his play style, he has drawn comparisons with Dougie Hamilton, both are right-handed shots and have that kind of bigger frame offensive defenseman build. Both of them can move the puck extremely well and have great visions for teammates out on the ice in the defensive zone. Clark is highly effective at trapping attackers and taking away lanes in the defensive zone. So that's my currently current top five, but obviously there are many others that can shift and move. Honorable mentions like Fabian LaSalle, Simone Edvinson, Kent Johnson, Atu Ratti, and goaltender Jesper Wallstedt. Um, we're going to talk more about these prospects as we get closer to the draft. I'll probably even have a full-on mock draft uh, before we see what teams are picking when and after when teams are picking when, and then we'll probably discuss each team's pick. It'll be a whole thing. We're only halfway through the season, so we still got a ton more hockey to talk, a ton more about the playoffs to talk about. Um, but the, the interesting thing that does pop out to me in this draft is how defenseman-heavy it is. I mean – Three of the top five picks that I have here are defensemen. As well, you also have the likes of Carson Lambos, who could be thrown in there as well. Uh, teams looking, defensemen are always needed and wanted. And this might be the draft to get yourself your star-studded defenseman. But uh, shifting right back into the NHL, some final news before we get into my three stars of this week. 
St. Louis Blues winger Vladimir Tarasenko is looking to return to the lineup. Vladimir Tarasenko, who is out due to shoulder surgery and has been out for about five months, hasn't played yet and isn't expected tonight in the lineup for the Blues, but is eyeing Friday up against the Kings. Tarasenko, who is the St. Louis first round pick back in 2010, has 214 points, excuse me, 214 goals and 428 points in 507 games with the St. Louis Blues in the NHL. The Blues currently sit second in the West and will definitely look forward to having their first line right winger back, a tremendous sniper who could slot in right besides Ryan O'Reilly. Now time for my three stars of the week. If I'm going to be honest, there wasn't any two huge standout players this week, but we still got my three stars. At number three, give me Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks, who has two goals, four assists for six points and a plus two in their past two games where they are one and one. The Sharks haven't had a lot of bright spots this year, but did manage to get a 6-2 victory over Colorado. They currently sit second to last in the West in a long, long shot to even make the playoffs most unlikely. However, Timo Meyer did help provide three assists in that game up against Colorado. At number two is William Nylander, who has had four goals, one assist, and is a plus two in the Leafs' past three games. The Leafs went 3-0 in these last three games, and Nylander netted both goals, including the O-team winner up against the Flames, a player who in his career has been highly criticized because of where he's playing. He's playing in Toronto. They are highly critical of every player there. Um, If you're not consistent, which he hasn't been that most consistent, but he's been looking very well this year, helping the Leafs out who currently sit atop of the North Division. He has 19 points in 23 games, almost being point per game, playing on that second line with John Tavares and Alexander Kerfoot. At number one, give me another Blackhawks player, Alex Dabrinkit. Dabrinkit has two goals and four assists for six points and a plus two in the past three games where they've gone two and one. And in addition to Kane, Dabrinkit has been a great compliment to him on that first line. The 2016 second rounder has 25 points so far this season, along with dishing many helpers over to Patrick Kane, someone who I haven't looked at and has gone kind of under the radar for me because of the outstanding performance from rookies on that Blackhawks team led by veteran Patrick Kane. Dabrinkit has been a great secondary scorer for them and is going to be another key contributor into the Blackhawks team if they can make the playoffs. And finally, we're going to close it out with the league leaders right now, just to give you some updates. Not a lot has changed with these leaders. We have leading all rookies is still Kaprizov, who now has 17 points in the league. McDavid is still leading that race in points and assists with 40 points and 26 assists. Matthew leads the Rocket Richard race with 18 goals. Quinn Hughes leads all defensemen with 22 points. And for goalies, Peter Mrazek leads with a .99 goals against average and a .955 save percentage. Semyon Varlamov, John Gibson, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Andre Vasilevsky all have three shutouts, which lead the league. And because we are so far into the season now, I think it's safe to go along with who leads the league and wins. And that is Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning with 13. So that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening as we went through Tortorella's situation in Columbus, 
celebrating Patrick Kane's 400th goal and how the NHL continues to keep up with their Hockey is for Everyone program. We also managed to take a little sneak peek into the 2021 NHL entry draft. Make sure to follow me here on Spotify. I'll catch you all next week for another episode of Top Shelf.